Hello everyone and welcome to the first part of my end of year roundup where I will be taking you on a journey back through 2018's podcast episodes, catching up with several of my previous guests, finding out how their 2018 has been, their goals for 2019 as well as giving you some behind the scenes gossip of producing the episode and interview. The format for the special will be that I'll introduce an interview or a discussion, an episode that I have recorded. I'll explain a little bit about the interview or discussion I had, maybe uh, the reason why I chose to discuss such an issue. Also then play you a little clip of the interview and if I had the chance to catch up with them, play a little bit of their end of year interview answer to some very similar questions. Like I ask the guests all very similar questions, but they all come up with very, very different answers. So enjoy. In the premiere episode of Amy Talks, I interviewed a dietitian and fitness coach all about something that concerns us in January, dieting. Jen Hand and I discussed dieting, how most people fail at their diets and how to start leading a healthier lifestyle. Let's listen to the clip where she explains this. A lot of people in at this time of year kind of think, oh, it's the new year, maybe I'll change things up, kind of. Are they always destined to fail or? You know, I, I think sometimes the new year comes, we get really motivated we get really inspired and we often make really unrealistic goals. So mm-hmm. like, you know, something lofty and I'm going to change, you know, my diet and how I feel about my body and just cut out this and do that. And I think it, it really sets us up for failure because it's not about starting over. It's about finding ways to shift your habits, to look deeper into why you're doing something so that it shifts from a space of, love and compassion and kindness as opposed to that criticism and that harshness and that rigid way we often approach dieting as a means for change. So I, I love, I mean, this is a great time of year to look at what we're doing because there is a sense of newness and, you know, so many other people are doing resolutions, so we should too. But I think it's a great time to look at what we're doing, but not necessarily make these outlandish goals and shoulds and musts because it that often sets us up for failure. Sadly, she wasn't available for a follow-up interview, but <laughs> I've got a bit of a secret. In the first interview, I accidentally cut her off from our conversation, but there is a reason for that. Uh, someone called me during the interview and it was really important. So uh, I'm very sorry for the abrupt ending to the chat in that episode. You may have never heard of Luann Hunt, but you should definitely listen to her music because she is a Grammy-nominated country artist, which is an amazing achievement. I interviewed her about this amazing accolade and more, including how the essence of country music is storytelling. She also revealed that her cover of a Patsy Cline Christmas song has become really popular, and if you didn't listen to the original episode, here's a clip. Um, I kind of have an interesting background because... You know, a lot of people, when they have singing talent, it's apparent when they're really young. But for me, <laughs> I, I just never showed any signs of being able to uh, follow that, that path successfully. So I went through a lot of ridicule and things when I would talk about it to friends and family. But there was something inside me that knew that was my path. So I kind of, you know, kept it in the back of my mind. And then once I was an adult, I started 
pursuing ways that I could actually get good at singing. So I, you know, I took classes and started doing little gigs here and there and just developed my talent along the way. But, you know, all these years later, I've had a lot of success as an indie recording artist. I've had lots of songs on indie charts in Europe and the U.S., stuff that's mm-hmm. top, you know, that's been number one. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had critical acclaim. I was on the 2009 Grammy ballot with two songs. So, you know, it's just been an amazing journey from, you know, <laughs> sort of, you know, being the underdog to achieving so much, more than anyone I think ever thought I could. I recently caught up with her about what's been happening since we last spoke. Here's what she had to say. Um, so if you could pick three words to describe 2018, what would it be? Exciting, mm-hmm. stressful, <laughs> and hopeful. And what kind of things have you done this year that would make you say sort of exciting and stressful? Well, it was exciting because I had a lot of fun stuff happening with my music. I finished my CD that I've been working on for about a year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was great. I mean, just to have that be done and finally you know it's like the realization of something I've been wanting to accomplish for so long so (laughs) that's why it was exciting and then I had a pretty big hit record um so also that that was great that was back in uh, March April Mm -hmm. we released the first single off the CD before the actual album was released you know so Mm -hmm. that kind of got the momentum going oh very nice and then my Christmas song uh, Patsy Klein's Lost Christmas Song, that's doing really well this year again. So that's been great. Oh, that's good. If you could travel back in time to the start of your year and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, I think it would be to just continue working to have more faith and trust in the process of life. Sometimes we worry about tomorrow and what's going to happen and things are going to work out. And then when you look back in hindsight, you realize that if you had just trusted that things would go the way that they're supposed to go and you didn't need to be fretting over everything so much. Mm-hmm. I think that's useful advice for anyone. <laughs> Is there anything you did this year that you will remember for the rest of your life? Um, okay, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had the opportunity to meet a man. He was one of the producers of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Oh, wow. And he actually pitched a song to me. He actually pitched a song to me for my CD. And it's a great song. And the process of recording that was very, very magical. So I think that, yeah, I'll never forget how all that came about and being in the studio and and the song just coming alive, you know, the way that it did. Mm. What was the biggest challenge this year, do you think? The biggest challenge? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in the last 18 months, we've had eight people in our family die, including oh, so both sorry. of my parents and my husband's parents. Yeah, uh, thank you. And my my cousin's little boys died last Christmas in a fire. And, mm. you know, like I said, there's been a lot of death. So mm. I think this year the biggest challenge was just trying to you know, deal with the grief of that, you know, when you have so many deaths, like, like we did, 
it's almost like almost impossible to grieve. You don't know where to start. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You're just so in shock. So, you know, it's really been challenging to come to terms with all the death and to allow myself to just let those feelings out, you know, and I'm still trying to do that. Mm. And I felt like because I held a lot of it in that, you know, sometimes I just didn't feel physically well because of that. Mm. So, you know, it's just been a challenge to, you know how they say, you know, you just have to kind of cry it out. And I haven't been able to really do that. So, you know, that, that's definitely been my biggest challenge this year. Mm. That's, that's dreadful. Give my love to your family. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So have you developed any new skills this year? Well, I've been doing a lot of video editing and mm-hmm. audio editing, and it's not necessarily a brand new skill, but I've done so much of it this year that, you know, I'm learning a lot more about it than I knew before. So, mm. Is there anything new coming out in 2019 that you want to tell us about? I'm going to be pondering a new project, you know, music project, but I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be at the moment. I have a few ideas in mind and I'm also, I've been writing my memoirs. Um, so I, I'm hoping to continue down that path with that. And in, by the time 2020 rolls around having it near completion. And then I had recorded an, uh, just a demo album a few years ago. It's sort of a retrospective on my childhood and I want to finish that album you know, do the full production and everything and sort of release at the same time that I release my memoir. So I think 2019 is just going to be, you know, a lot of, a lot of just getting things prepared for 2020 and beyond in that way. Mm. Sounds like some cool projects coming out. And my final question is, What's on your Christmas list, if you have anything? You know, there's nothing uh, material, really, that that I want or need necessarily. And I just, because of what what I've been through with my family and everything, um, you know, I've my cousin who cousins who lost the the children. I mean, I've been really been, you know, hoping for them most of all that there'll be some type of you know, supernatural healing, uh, through this holiday season for them and that they can, I mean, they're never going to be right again, obviously, but that somehow Mm -hmm. they they find that this Christmas, that they find meaning in all the tragedy that they haven't been able to find before. Cause you know, if you can find meaning in something like that, it does help with the healing process. The third episode of the show was about hashtag delete Facebook and I decided to make an episode devoted to this as the Cambridge Analytica scandal where data company Cambridge Analytica used people's Facebook data without consent for political purposes was big in the news at the start of the year. It remains part of the controversy surrounding Facebook and in the episode I discussed and asked whether people would go through with their promise to hashtag delete Facebook. I reckoned probably not, but I don't know whether I was right. Here's a clip of me discussing the scandal. Where you've been, and what you're doing, and your life. You know, uh, they can see who your friends are, and everything else. In social media in general, times are changing uh, for Facebook and social media sites in general. And lots of people, I think, now after this, are going to be wising up to the changes and what 
of theirs is going to be being used by these sites. So a lot of people, a lot more people are going to read the terms and conditions, and possibly delete their accounts if they if they don't think that they think that their the site is being too invasive on their life. Mental Health News Radio Network founder Kristen Walker was my guest for the fourth episode and we discussed her journey that led her, led to her founding the network. So yes. where did you start and why was behavioural health important to you? Well, you know, it's interesting because I've been volunteering in mental health and behavioural health for 20 years and I did have many clients. Uh, I had a database programming company and we had a lot of clients who were in the mental health field, but I didn't necessarily know what they did, uh, what, you know, I wasn't really in the field, but I was in it as a volunteer, constantly working with a therapy dog, visiting patients uh, that were in mental hospitals and, and um, working with the Special Olympics and just in general, uh, working in the field, but always on my volunteer time. So it was really nice about five years ago to get out of the corporate world and move my business focus into the mental health field. Much like Luann, I spoke with Kristen recently to ask her about how her year has been and what she's got coming up in 2019. If you could pick three words to describe 2018, what would they be? Uh, let's see. Amazing, exhausting, and exciting. Why, why is that? Well, we added a bunch of different things to try and figure out what the heck we're doing with our network. And uh, some of them were epic failures. And uh, we learned a lot from those. It's always good to face plant, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're a public person. Um, But we, you know, we learned from those. And then we sort of figured out, oh, okay, well, let's do this instead. This is a better way. It costs less money. It's better for the guest or the co-host or whatever. So Mm -hmm. It just, it's all a part of tweaking. We learned a lot about just not being afraid to make a mistake because who cares? Nobody's really paying attention to it as much as you are anyway. Mm. So if you could travel back in time to the start of the year and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Chillax. It's all going to be okay. I think that's a good piece of advice for people in general, for every, mm-hmm. for everyone. <laughs> what is your biggest regret this year, if you have any? Um, my biggest regret, you know, I don't have any. No? Mm-mm. Okay, no. fair enough. What song have you listened to this year that you would say defined the year for you? So is there one that you will always associate with 2018 or something you did in 2018 or anything like that? Oh my gosh, let's see. I'd say Keith Urban's The Fighter. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. What was the funniest moment of your year? One that that kind of still makes it hard not to burst out laughing when you think about it. Okay. Uh, I was on a live news program, which is downloaded in uh, or listened to in 42 million households. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I'm a regular now, which is great. And we were just talking about depression that can happen uh, when there's a time change. And Mm -hmm. we just went through our time change here. And the whole time I was talking, I was talking about how we um, lose an hour of sleep because I'm the expert. And then I realized a week later that we actually gained an hour of sleep. And in, instead of, and they didn't say anything on the program because the host was confused. You know, a lot of people get yeah, confused yeah. by this. But about a week later, I was having dinner with friends and I realized 
because they said, oh, yeah, it's so great, though, that we at least gain an hour of sleep. And uh, and I just started laughing because I realized what, <laughs> what I had done. done yeah. And they never said anything. They said a bunch of people typed in and said, you better tell her she's going to miss her shows because she thinks it's blah, blah, blah. They had a bunch of that. But nobody said, oh, she's an idiot. And what it made me think was 10 years ago, I would have been mortified, like immediately yeah. mortified and had to talk myself off a ledge for that. But today, I um, I just laugh and go, oh, well, <laughs> sometimes I make stupid mistakes, whatever. Yeah. So what's been your biggest challenge this year? Balance between my infectious passion for what I do and my personal life. Yeah, so work-life balance, yeah. Yeah. Have you developed any new skills? Yeah, I've developed a really great skill at um, – nurturing talent getting people to a space where they make a really good host of a show um develop their personality on air and uh and really um guide them on the process of of being a podcaster or a webcaster that kind of thing um so that's something i didn't know that i would be good at and uh now i have like 10 co-hosts and i'm like oh well, i guess i'm pretty good at that <laughs> so <laughs> Very nice. If someone wrote a book about your life in 2018, what genre would it be? Would it be a comedy, a love story, a drama, or something else? Oh, my gosh. Probably it would be a drama because a drama can encompass comedy and everything else because there's just all those elements are there. So it would be listed under drama with multiple um, subcategories. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you want to achieve in 2019? Or is there anything you want to tell us about or announce or anything like that? Yeah, we're going to start doing events in oh, 2019. Nice. Like May is where I'm, we're looking at May as a possible date since May is, uh, you know, mental health awareness month. So mm -hmm. we're looking at doing um, events on a regular basis where we have 30 experts record um, a 20 minute video on mental, different facet of mental health. It's mm -hmm. not a commercial. It's literally like, here are helpful tips. And they come to whoever subscribes to it can pay like a ridiculously low fee. And most of it we're donating anyway, but mm -hmm. they'll get access to all the videos. It's not one of those things where you buy it and, Oh, tomorrow now pay for the next one. We're literally like, here's a teeny little fee. And then you get access to the whole thing. Mm. And so that, <clears throat> that month they'll, get uh, emails every day with the release of the new video for that month. And then they'll always have access to those, uh, to those videos forever. Oh, very nice. So my last question, um, is kind of a lighthearted one. Uh, what's on your Christmas list? If you thought about it yet? Sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's on mine as well. <clears throat> yeah. Time with my horse. Like that's my personal time, time learning how to play the guitar. Cause that's, that's my personal time too. Um, and uh, and then more sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next up in episode five was a wonderful artist Han who draws a special type of cartoon called Chibis by hand, my I add, and has drawn some pretty popular people, including Max and Eve from MTV's Catfish the TV show, YouTubers Shane Dawson, Trisha Paytas, Ryland Adams, and lots more of her favorite people. I asked her all about this, including being featured on a Catfish fan special, a pretty awesome opportunity for her to show off her great work. Take a listen. So how did that come about and how was Skyping with Neva Max? Tell us all about it. 
Wow, <laughs> it was amazing. It was very overwhelming. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, uh, I think Max had been in contact with me before because I have been drawing for a very long time, especially catfish things. I've probably been drawing catfish, I think, since like 2013, maybe, mm-hmm. 2014. And I slowly started getting kind of noticed by Max. And he liked my art and he kind of messaged me. I think it just kind of grew from there. And I think that's the thing as well with art. Like, it is addictive. And I think, obviously, if you're an artist, you should be drawing for you. And I always remind myself of that. Like, if you're an artist, draw for you. That you're not drawing for anyone else. You might be drawing the people you love. But you, you have to remember that you don't do it to be seen. You do it to enjoy it. For the love and, of know. it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, the thing is with that, though, is it does get addictive when you start getting noticed by the people you're drawing. You do think, oh, they like this, or maybe I'll draw another one for them. And it is like a high because it's like, you know, this person who's important and a celebrity, basically, you know, is saying they like my art and that's amazing, that feels really good. And I think that's when you sometimes get a bit of wrapped up on drawing the same thing again and again. So I think I was in that kind of phase where I was drawing a lot of catfish stuff mainly catfish I think um and I kind of just became friends with Max through that and um met him a few times in London obviously we went to the premiere of his movie and I think yeah we just kind of struck up what I would say is like a friendship like it was really cool because he he's kind of the kind of person who really appreciates art and I think he just really liked it and through that we kind of became friends which was cool um and then I kind of became friends with like the cast and crew as well through mm-hmm. that. Um, and one of them hit me up and said they're making a special, and I kind of didn't believe it at first. I was, <laughs> I thought it was like a prank or something. Yeah, and it kind of got better and better really because it started off we want to include your art. So I thought, okay, cool. So they're going to put like a few pieces up on the screen, and that'll be cool. And then it came back oh, we want you to Skype with Max and Neve. And I was like, this is insane. Like, what is happening? But obviously it happened. I remember being really nervous and I watch it back now and I cringe so much because, like, it... I don't want to... Yeah, like, I don't... I I think the thing is to remember, like, I was so nervous that, like, I wasn't being new and that wasn't me being fake. It was just that I was so completely nervous. I understand that, yeah. Exactly, that I couldn't... Like, because I'd already, I'd always talked to Max before and stuff, and if it was just him, obviously, I'd feel, feel a bit probably more at ease. But obviously, Neve was there, and I'd never talked to Neve, and I'd never been on like a televised thing. Um, yeah. And I think the thing is, when you're when you're talking, you know it's going to be aired. You do, you're so being careful about what you what you say, and I think obviously they're going to edit it anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, the thing I remember the most is like we had like a forty-five minute conversation. And it ended up being like five, ten minutes, and like I remember there being a few like funny moments. And I, I remember thinking, oh, I hope they put them in, but they just didn't. <laughs> what 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 but, are the funny moments? Can you can you spill some spill some secrets? Some <laughs> well, uh, Neve was saying how um, we intended to meet him in London actually, mm. and you know, and um, yeah, I remember that we obviously missed him and I made a whole joke about like um oh I'm really sorry I stood you up Neve and like and we had like a bit of banter but they didn't put that in I thought like I think they wanted me to come across quite I mean I might be wrong but I think they wanted to probably wanted me to come across quite like you know not fangirly but 
Yeah, on, yeah. Fan, absolutely. But I've never really been that person that was like really fangirly in the sense that I'd be like crying or like devoted and so like I wanted to come off like cool and I think it didn't really work but I just remember being so overwhelmed and it was like it was, it was an amazing experience and stuff and I'm really glad I did it um but I do look back now and I'm like oh I can't watch that it's so cringy and also they made me um usually you know when you're like filming anything or something you you always put your camera in like a nice yeah yeah downward angle mm-hmm. to make you look perfect and skinny and <laughs> and I remember like the producer going through with me how he wanted the camera oh God. and I was like oh man this is not flattering <laughs> but um yeah like, I'm really glad I did it and it's so cool to say that I've won it and um I've only probably watched it twice I think um my friends and family have probably watched it 50,000 times <laughs> I've watched it twice and uh, I haven't actually put it on my new Instagram yet. I've put a picture of them holding my arm, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they said they were going to send some signed art to me, but they never did the end. Maybe I have to hit them up and get that over because that'd be cool. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just a really cool experience, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah, but um, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely my fault that we didn't get an end of year interview arranged in time for publications. So instead, I'll play another great clip from the episode. Enjoy. With this, with this kind of art that you do, so what made you interested in it and wanting to pursue it as a career? Well, I've always drawn from like very, very young, and I know like a lot of artists say that, but like I think it's kind of I always believe that anyone can do art, but I think like it is kind of built into you in a way. Like you either really, really want to do it, or it's just like a hobby. And I think for me, it's always been something that I like see myself doing forever um my dad was an artist for a lot of like many many years and um it's just something I've always loved doing and um it's only kind of recently that I've kind of said to myself like why am I not doing this as a career but I mean art is just so difficult to pursue Mm. and it's one of those things you've just got to literally work and work and work and like put in so many hours that you don't get paid for um and obviously have like a nine to five job as well so yeah yeah it's just something I've always wanted to do but I think like now more than ever I'm kind of really pushing myself to kind of hopefully make this a career episode six concerned the subject of being a broadcast journalist and my interviewee was James Mates I interviewed him last year on my politics podcast more on that in a bit but he was more than happy to sit in front of me again and answer questions about his time employed with ITN, spanning over 35 years. We discussed his career as a journalist, including the election of Nelson Mandela, moving abroad for foreign bureau posts, and perhaps the greatest question I've ever asked on the show, about the popularity of his eyebrows. I didn't know this until I'd wrapped the interview, but James's eyebrows have their own Reddit thread. Reddit being one of the most popular sites on the internet, Here's the clip where I reveal the news of his prestigious placing on BuzzFeed's Six People with the Most Amazing Eyebrows. Did you know that you are on BuzzFeed's Six People with the Most Amazing Eyebrows? Well, I should think so too. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't know that. Um, really? Really, who else is on there? Politicians. Okay. People like... oh, well, that's very good. So, how do you, yeah. keep, how do you keep them so... <laughs> so what? So mystifying. Uh, they are what they are. <laughs> Believe you me, my don't beauty, do anything. My beauty regime does not take me a long time in the morning. 
So no, my eyebrows are what my eyebrows are. I get an awful lot of tweets saying, do you dye them? (laughs) Who who does that? I mean, does anybody? Yeah, people do, yeah. Do they? Yeah. Well, I didn't even know that. I mean, you know, I must stop dyeing my hair grey in that case. They are what they are. Uh, It's always good to have a distinctive feature. If that's what what gets you noticed, that's what gets you noticed, I suppose. Why do you think people are so fascinated by them? I don't know. Anything that, I mean, the way anyone looks is, is always something that people hang you know, get hold of. But better to be the worst thing about being talked about is being not talked about. That's true, that's true. So, um, so, um, I'll settle for that. Sadly, he was too busy with all the current Brexit developments to join me for an end of year interview, but as a special treat, I'm now going to play you a clip from my interview with him on my previous show, Amy Talks Politics, about the changing landscape of news due to social media and notifications. Since you kind of started in journalism, how has news coverage changed, in particular with issues like kind of Brexit and terrorism and social media increasing hysteria in the country and everything like that, like how enrolling news all the time and notifications everywhere, like has it changed a lot? Yeah, I mean, rolling news has obviously changed things dramatically and social media has changed things dramatically. The rest of it, I think, is just, is just uh, changes in society, which uh, you, you cover the news in order to report and reflect on that. You, you, you expect things to be changing and they, you don't always know the direction they're going to change and often you're surprised. But in terms of the actual way that we do coverage, technology, uh, obviously, I mean, when I started, we were just changing from film to video, and, uh, <laughs> which had its own challenges at the time. And it was a three bulletin a day, appointment to view, uh, operation for everybody. Channel 4 News had only just started. Uh, and then a few years later, Sky News and Rolling News came along, and that obviously made a huge difference to the way uh, we operate. We had a Rolling News channel ourselves here for many years. Um, I really didn't know that. Yeah, I, uh, the ITV News Channel. So that obviously changes things, mm-hmm. and, and changes the news cycle in a very big way yeah. as well, because when I started, you know, you listen to the day programme, much as you do now, often the agenda would be set for the day. Um, by and large... Um, you pretty much knew where you were by the evening, and that was a 24-hour cycle. Well, now with rolling news, the news cycle can be down to you know eight hours, six hours, sometimes only one hour between. You know, mm. you're changing, changing everything, and people feeling that that um, you know they they've seen and know all the news already. And in many ways, yeah. that's true. I mean, you, you, in the old days, you went to work at nine o'clock, and you may pick up an evening paper on your way home, but basically by the end of the day, you you sort of sat down to watch the news at six or ten or whenever to find out what had happened that mm. day. Well, now everybody knows what's happened yeah. that day. And so what we're trying to do is something very different, to try and t- tell them, put a, a, a degree of context into what's happened and some level of explanation. And, uh, and it's a very... We, we, we move way beyond, you know, this, this, and this happened, because mm. you all know that. Yeah. And, of course, we also know that from uh, from social media, that even, even if people aren't reading newspapers and... Uh, um, listening to the radio during the day. The first thing that pops up on social media is the latest news. Precisely. They're seeing it every time they look at their phone. And that, again, changes the nature of, of, of what we try and do. Conspiracy theories are all the rage at the moment, as people come up with theories for anything weird happening. In this episode, I discuss some of the weirdest ones, including Paul McCartney apparently being dead and replaced by an imposter because he wasn't wearing shoes or socks on the Abbey Road album cover. Apparently there's clues in the lyrics too, and it's become such a big theory that it has its own Wikipedia page. Before I give any more clues as to Paul's apparent passing, here's a clip of me discussing the Paul is dead theory. Paul McCartney, you may know Paul McCartney as a musician or from... 
of what some call the greatest band in the world, the Beatles. Apparently, he is dead. <laughs> He's not really dead, but some people think, well, I don't know whether, whether it's true or not, that he died. Apparently, he was secretly being replaced by an imposter or a lookalike, and there's been books about it, there's been television shows about it, there's been movies about it, all sorts. American college students published articles claiming that clues to Paul McCartney's supposed death can be found among the lyrics and artwork of Beatles recordings. So, yeah, there was a... On the back of the car in the Abbey Road cover, there's a um, number plate which has thing relevant. What's even weirder is on the Abbey Road album cover that that kind of fueled the rumours, I guess, um, is that Paul McCartney isn't wearing any shoes or socks, so that might be it might mean that he's dead. Uh, one of them is wearing jeans like a like a grave digger, one of them looks like a pool bearer. And there's just loads of other insane like imagery and lyrics and everything else. And if you play some of this you know, if you play some of their songs backwards it sounds like he's dead all these weird things. I don't know if it's true. I don't think we'll ever know. But it is a really interesting theory and definitely one to get your teeth into if you want to know more about the Beatles and whether Paul McCartney is actually dead or not. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening to part one of the special and I hope you have enjoyed catching up with guests and listening to snippets of my interviews throughout 2018. There will be plenty more interviews in 2019 as I create more episodes and talk about more subjects of both Divide and Unite people, apart from Brexit, as Amy talks as a political free zone, I'm afraid. Thank you also to all my guests that have taken time out of their schedules to be interviewed. I really appreciate it. You're the people who made the show what it is this year. Part 2 will be available to listen to from the 27th of December. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and I'll see you back here on the 27th for the second part. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify to keep up with new and current episodes. And don't forget to follow the show on social media at Amy Talks Podcast to see all the latest news and videos before anyone else. Until next time, bye!